and then I'll stop it. But, um, so I switched around the schedule that I put out for you guys, because I guess it was awkward, and the word sex really threw people off. I guess I gotta weave that in better. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so today we're gonna cover kind of a tough and sensitive topic, um, and we're, ta- we're talking about addictions. So that is, like, any type of addiction, um, and so I know that a lot of us in here that has impacted our lives, it's impacted us because other people in our lives have addictions, um, so I want to be super sensitive about this topic, but I also like want to dive into what scripture has to say about it um, and talk about how to help our friends or family members who maybe are struggling with an addiction or if you're struggling with addiction yourself, how to, how to go about it in a way that includes Christ with you. Um, so raise your hand if, you ever, if you've ever been impacted by an addiction, whether by yourself or someone else in your life. Wow, all of us. That's crazy. That's crazy. Every single one of us has dealt either with addiction ourselves or someone else in our life has, they've had an addiction and it's impacted us directly. So that just shows that even though this is a really hard topic, it's a topic that every single person can relate to. And it's something that we all need encouragement in and we all need um, to know how to handle because we're going to deal, we're going to it's going to face us for the rest of our life. Um, so Maddie has offered to share some of her testimony with us today, which I'm really thankful for. Um, so Maddie, if you can come on up here and we will listen. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, addiction is not bigger than the power of Christ. Um, and so, but before we start, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. I'm like nowhere near an expert. Like I'm not a certified counselor. I am not um, a doctor. I have never like struggled with like a like drug addiction or alcohol addiction. Like that is, I, I have no knowledge of that kind of stuff. I used for everything that's in this lesson, I used like books that I had on addiction from like my, my college. Um, and then I used this, use the Bible and then I used trusted resources, but I am like, not qual like I'm not certified at all so like I'm so if any of like so like don't take like what I'm not going to cover whole probably not going to go as deep as maybe like I could if I knew more just simply because I feel not qualified to go super deep because I'm just not a doctor um so this is just a disclaimer out there um but we are going to dive deep into scripture and practical sides of things. So, um, so when you think first think of an addiction, what are some things that come to your mind that people can be addicted to? What comes to your mind? Drugs. Drugs. Yeah, that's like the first thing that comes to my mind too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other things or substances or alcohol? Alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most common one. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the statistic I read, but it said, like, two out of ten alcohol users are alcoholics, mm. which is crazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, pornography or, like, other sex addictions? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, masturbation or, like, yeah. actually having sex with people can be an addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gambling can be an addiction. Yeah. Shopping. Like shopping's like actually an addiction that people have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, was like, try life. not to laugh. Yeah. 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 Shop shopaholic. I always forget about gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's actual an addiction that people struggle with, and they waste a lot of their money on it. Oh, food. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, on both sides of the spectrum, right? So you can be addicted to the food in the way of, like, you eat a ton, or you can be addicted to the food, addicted to food in a way where you don't eat at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wrote down um, pain medications, too. Yeah. Opioids, people can very quickly get addicted to those. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about relationships? Do you think um, that you could be ever addicted to relationships or people? Yeah, I worked. I wrote down work too. You can get addicted to your work. You can get addicted to success and feeling like you're doing enough working. Yeah. So addictions come in all shapes and sizes. Addiction is anything in your life that you you have or you participate in or you can't live without. Um, so it's anything that you feel enslaved to, basically, where your life revolves around it. You can't picture your life without it. Whether that's like a hardcore drug or maybe you're just like. You just work a lot, and you're like, I could never imagine not working 100 hours a week. Yeah. I don't understand how that's a, how that could be a thing, but people do struggle with it, right? Yeah. People do leave their families to just work all the time. Um, so some addictions are more socially acceptable than others, right? So, like, for example, someone who is addicted to working, people from the outside might look at them and say, wow, they have such a good work ethic. They have such a good um, – like, they're so disciplined or they ha- they're, like, so successful. But on the inside, maybe their family is falling apart because they haven't been home in a month because they've been working all day, every day, um, and they feel like they can't survive without work. But So, like, there are some addictions that from the outside look socially acceptable, and then there's some addictions that, like, obviously, like, you see, like – a drug addict downtown who's homeless like we know that's wrong and we know that that's how they got to that position is because they chose drugs over every single thing um so that's what addictions cause you to do you get so dependent on this substance it's it's um tied around your life it has you enslaved to it and then you will forfeit everything in your life in order to obey that addiction obey that substance um so the thing about addiction is that it never really gives long-term pleasure. Like, I've never met a happy addict, right? Mm-hmm. Most addicts are very sad, very lonely, very miserable um, because they have a desperate hunger for what they are addicted to. They feel like they can't get away from it. They feel like they can't, um, they can't let go. Even when the addictive behavior takes away everything that is their life, including their life, they still want the substance because they're addicted to it. Um, so let's dive into where these, where addictions come from, because obviously they have to come from somewhere. Um, and that's like so important. So you can begin the healing process. You have to know where the root is starting to grow so that you can rip it out. Um, so some addictions come from just repeated use of a substance that sends signals of pleasure to the brain. So Maddie kind of hit on this a little bit, but, um, the way addictions work is that our brains are really powerful, right? So our brain can adapt and make connections and the neurons in our brain can change. And so like when you dis- if if you, for example, if you watch pornography and then you, that your brain gets a signal of pleasure and the neurons in your brain literally change to make you desire to watch pornography, make you desire to have that one more hit. Um, And there's a whole bunch of science that goes into it. Um, But basically there is hope because they say that it takes three months for your, the neurons in your brains, for the cells in your brains to configure and forget all the old stuff. So forget pornography, forget drugs, forget alcohol. It takes three months and three months is a long time, right? But that's, that gives us hope that like if, say, you do struggle with pornography, if you're free from it from three months, your brain is literally healing itself from the addiction. Um, so that's pretty cool um, that God created our brain that way. Um, 
But yeah, so an addicting drug, this is a quote from a book, the addicting drug can cause physical changes to nerve cells, neurons in the brain. Neurons use chemicals called neurotransmitters to communicate. These changes can remain long after you stop using the drug. Um, so for drugs, it's a little different, but like for things like pornography, like even shopping, like you get like a hit of pleasure from shopping. Your brain wants that hit of pleasure. And if you take like a long break from it, and if you are sober from it for a while, your brain will heal itself. Um, um, so we used to think that only powerful drugs and alcohol could do this to the brain, but now neuroimaging technologies and more recent research have shown that other pleasurable activities like I talked about, like... Um, you would say social media. Yes. Television. Yeah, that's a good one. Because like that's totally what it does. You get a hit of pleasure from like going on, looking at reels, looking at your Instagram feed and video, games. and video games you're so right that's good and your brain literally makes you crave it yeah. and then like you'll notice that like I mean for me I struggle sometimes with going to my phone and going immediately to Instagram it's because I've trained my brain over and over again like hit a pleasure mm-hmm. hit a pleasure hit a pleasure yeah. and I just go there so um so yeah that's the kind of the scientific step behind it and there's a lot more fancy words and stuff to it that um, is really interesting but we're not going to dive into but just so it's scary that our brains can do that, but it also shows us that like our brains, like it is possible to heal from an addiction, like our brains can heal. And we might always struggle with it. We might still have the temptation to fall back into it. Um, but God has the power to change and give us freedom and to also give us the strength to endure the temptation. Um, so g- addictions can also be genetic. So like alcoholism sometimes runs in families where like if um, if like a grandpa struggles with al- alcoholism, maybe the son will decide not to drink alcohol just in case it runs in the family. Um, that's not always the case, but sometimes it is the case where alcoholism, whether it's genetic or just learned habit, can come into the family and follow the family. So, um, so breaking the cycle is really important in that. And so I know, I know a few of my friends who have parents that are addicts and now they're breaking the cycle, they say of that generational sin by staying away from alcohol, staying away from drugs, staying away from anything that could be addictive because they want to break the cycle of addiction in their family, which is so hard to do. If like, especially if you grew up watching that, it's like a learned habit, right? So you have to fight, you have to fight the want or fight the you have to tell yourself that's not normal. Like, I'm not going to choose that way. So I have major respect for that. Um, and obviously no one wants to be an addict, right? No one grows up and wants to be an addict when they grow up. Like, it just, sometimes it happens. You find yourself in a situation and you're like, how did I get here? Um, so sometimes it just happens after one time of experiencing a substance. So, for example, statistics show that most people who are addicted to por- pornography saw it accidentally between the ages of 10 and 12. So how scary is that, that a little kid, 10 to 12, can stumble upon pornography and then become addicted to it for like 10, 20 years? Um, so that I think that's like 80% of porn addicts said that, say that they ran into porn wow. from the ages 10 to 12, um, which I think is so good for us to know, especially like one day we will probably all be moms or we'll all have an impact in some kid's life. And so knowing that from the ages 10 to 12, that's where pornography is like so prevalent like in our little kids like we can take action steps to prevent that from ever happening to our kids or have the resources in order to help them when it does um so yeah and then another example is like you're at a party or a sleepover and your friends decide to like play around with a certain drug um 
and like everyone's doing it so you do it and then that night you get addicted to it because the, because something in your brain just clicks and now you want it all the time um, that happens with vaping right like I'm sure you guys know a few people that are addicted to vaping um, that happens so quick because you're just like I'll just try it this one time and then you're addicted to it um, and that can be the same with alcohol right you get drunk one night and then you're like oh I want to feel that again I want to feel that again I want to feel that again and then you're addicted um, or maybe you have a surgery and they give you pain meds and then you take these pain meds just to get rid of the pain, but then sooner or later you realize that you're actually addicted to them and now your life is dependent on these pain medications. Um, so yeah, sometimes addictions just spiral out of control. They start so innocent. They start so small. Sometimes you don't even ask for it and then you find yourself in a situation where you feel trapped. Um, so addictions can also happen when you start to depend on, mess with, or look to something to fill you or numb you or make you feel a certain way. So um, like for me, um, I struggled with an eating disorder for six years. And um, for me, it was a learned habit. I hated my body so much. And so in order to try to change it, I would try to control food. And I got really anxious around food. And I wanted the control of food. So I started running a ton. And um, I was bulimic, so like I would run, so I would run like anywhere from like five to ten miles a day, depending on like what I like thought was right that day. So I would be allowed to eat, and then like if I ate something that I didn't want, I would just make myself throw it up. And this happened. This this happened like for six years, and it consumed me. It was my idol. It was literally my addiction because it made me feel like I had control. It made me feel like I had peace. It was a learned habit that I had that I chose willingly that I lived in for years um, because I wanted control. It made me feel like I had control, and it became an addiction and it actually controlled me, and I had no idea. Um, so yeah, this constant cycle just like ruled my life. Like it, I was a slave to it, and just like within the past year, I've actually found freedom from it because when I when I like got that fracture in my hip that was because I was like I was calcium deficient I hadn't I hadn't had my period in like three years and so like when you don't have your period your bones start to get weaker so I was literally like like I was just like really at the point where I realized what I had done to my body um but all along I thought that I didn't have a problem because I never looked like I had a problem you know like I always looked pretty healthy um so like that was a major wake-up call for me and it it took that to get me to have like a major change um so now like like Maddie said with her addiction I still struggle like with wanting to go back there where I'm like I would like to have the control back again I would like to feel better in my own skin I would like to try to just let my life be ruled by that because it's tempting um but then I have to remember that like like I am a servant of God now. I am not a servant of anything else. And my life is so much more free. Like I can have ice cream with friends. And I used to be like terrified of rice. Like I don't know why I used to be terrified of rice. But now I have rice like every day. And just like little things like that. Like I get to like have a cookie at my wedding. And I get to like go out with friends and not care what I'm eating. And like that's – and I also like my mind is like so much more focused on the Lord rather than the things of this world. Um, but not saying that it's not a struggle. But – With that being said, like addictions can look like all sorts of things, right? And depending on who you are, you might be addicted to something else that maybe someone else doesn't struggle with at all. Um, And that's okay. Um, But one thing I do wish I did differently is that I wish I found people that I trusted to share that with. I was so ashamed of it for so long. Um, I wish that I got accountability. Um, And we're going to talk about that later too. Um, But no matter where the addiction stems from, all addiction has the same root. Um, Addiction at its very core is sin right? Um, Because addiction is idolization. Um, And so sometimes we hate to say this because it's like, 
I don't want to, like, we want to play the victim card almost. Um, but we are sinners, right? And if we were given the option, we're probably going to choose something that's not God unless God is working in us to help us choose him. Um, we're all prone to love things and love other people, other substances more than God. Um, and we do, that's why we desperately need Jesus. So at the core of addiction is sin. And that is controversial because not everyone wants to admit that. But in order to truly overcome an addiction, you have to say, this is sin. And that was a turning point for me in my struggle is not playing the victim card anymore and being like, oh, I wish I didn't have to like struggle in this way. Why is this happening to me? But rather like looking at myself in the mirror and being like, I am a sinner. Like I care about myself way too much. I don't have control. God has control. And I need to repent of my sin. Um, and so that's a major turning point. And we don't, we don't want to always say that, but it's, it's true. We have to, we have to say it. Um, go ahead and turn with me to Romans 6. Um, Romans 6, 15 through 23. Right. Um, I'll go ahead and read this for us. Um, so yeah, the Bible tells us that we are enslaved to sin. So this is why at the core of addiction is sin. Um, So starting in verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, whether of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching of which you were committed, and have, being set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking on human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For while you were once slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For at the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So good. Um, And the reason I chose this passage is because it it says we are no longer slaves to sin but we are slaves to God. Um, so without Jesus, we would be enslaved to sin forever, right? We would have no hope, and we would eventually face the wrath of God in hell because we chose sin over God. Um, but that's not where it ends, right? We have Jesus Christ who saved us, who redeemed us, who calls, him, calls us his own, and he literally breaks our chains of sin, frees us, and then binds us to himself, and now we're servants of God. And I know it says slaves to God, um, and slaves has this like weird... Like, it has this really dark connotation to it, right? Because we think of the slavery that is in, like, the, the American history, right? Which is so wrong, and, like, God hates American slavery, like, th- that he hates it. But that word slave means servant, um, and we're servants to God. And if I'm going to be a servant to anyone, I want to be a servant to God who is loving, caring, um, holy, righteous, just, perfect, eternal. Um, so being a slave to God is not a bad thing. It's the best thing that you could, it's the best place you could ever be. Um, uh, so yeah, now we're going to dive into a little bit of what the Bible tells us, um, when it comes to addictions, because the Bible has all we need when it pertains to life and godliness. Um, so we can trust it. Um, so I have a lot of passages here, but it's going to be 
it's going to be good. Um, Maddie, could you look up 1 John 2.16? Macy, could you look up 1 Peter 5.8? Mm-hmm. And then 2 Peter 2.19 yes. through 3.12? Yes. Um, Elise, could you do Galatians 5.1? Um, Cece, could you do 1 Corinthians 10.13? Julia, could you do 1 Peter 2.11? Yeah. And then I'm going to do John 8.36. Are you there, Maddie? 1 John 2.16. 2.16. Yeah, thank you. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then 2 Peter 2.19 through 3.12 says... It's a long passage. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, so that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. and both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Thank you. <laughs> that was long. That was good. All right, go for it, Lisa. Uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Awesome. No temptation has take- overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Awesome. Second, first Peter 2.11. Yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I just, like, forgot. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Awesome. And then John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Um, so these are a lot of different passages, and the Bible says a lot about sin and being slaves to sin and the power that sin can have over us. Um, but what did these these passages tell us about addiction? What stood out to you? They say that Christ can set us free from them. Mm, yeah, Christ alone can set us free. Yeah, what else does it say? Macy's passage, even though it was really long, and I almost wish that I didn't have you read the sec- the middle part because I was like, huh, I don't even remember reading that myself. But um, <laughs> the the beginning and the end points to the fact that like everything on this earth is going to perish, but like mm-hmm. the things that are of God will remain. So everything that we're addicted to or the things that we look to to fulfill us, like all of it will go away. It's so temporary. Yeah, that's a good question. Because sometimes it's like not always easy, right? I think some people have like amazing stories where they're like, I was addicted to like weed and alcohol, but then I found Jesus and now I don't have any desires at all. Like that can absolutely happen. But then you have other things that it just doesn't just go away once you put your faith in Christ. But I think the, the thing that makes it different is that he does change your desires. It might be over time, but he does change it. Um, and then he also, he's the one that gives you the strength to continue to overcome that addiction, that struggle. Um, but yeah, I really do think that he does change your desires so that you're like, I, even though this addiction has a hold on me, I don't want it to anymore. And I want to choose to follow Christ and deny myself. And so it, sometimes it takes time, but I do think he changes. Any like thoughts on that question that Elise just asked? are preceded by like thoughts right so like mm. it was talking about how like in addiction cycles like one of the first things that happened is like impaired thinking so like I'm not worthy of anyone else's like love or anything because I have this addiction or like I can't break this on my own because like like I need this addiction like, mm. like that and like from those impaired thoughts then you start to have addiction cycles and it just becomes part of your like routine mm. and like everything and then since you can't stop then you makes you feel even worse about yourself so mm. I think that like when you bring, like, Jesus into the picture, mm-hmm. and it's like, I am loved by Jesus, even though I have this addiction. Yeah. Then, it, like, once you change the, at least this is, like, and this is all in theory, because obviously I've never, like, experienced this myself, but, like, I, I would assume, like, once you, like, change your thinking, then your behaviors can start to change. Mm-hmm. Like, once Jesus is a part 
of what you think about, then it helps. Yeah. Readers. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, and I think it, Riley touched on it a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, you you said something earlier about like when I started like focusing more on Jesus and when I started like thinking more about Jesus than maybe not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, that line from the song that's, like, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, Mm -hmm. look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and Mm -hmm. grace. That's so true, right? Mm -hmm. We can't, like, addictions, like, sure, you could, like, there are plenty of people in this world that are overcoming addictions and aren't Christians, right? But they are, they're not, they're choosing to not be addicted for their own gain, Right? We choose to not be addicted to things for the glory of God, to follow him, to obey him, and to serve those around us, to love those around us, and, you know, for ourselves as well. And so, like, Jesus not only liberates us from the physical sin, but he, like, liberates our soul, right? So, like, the people that that choose to overcome addictions without the power of Christ, and they just do it in their own power, which is, like, amazing, right? It's better for them to not be addicted. Um, but if they die and don't know Christ they will go to hell. Like their biggest issue was never the fact that they were addicted to whatever they were addicted to. Their biggest issue was the fact that they didn't know Jesus Christ as their savior. But that's why like knowing Jesus does make addictions just, it makes it, it gives you that extra motivation because you know that you're loved, you know that you're saved, you know that you have a reason to live, you have a reason to overcome this addiction. And then you have the hope of eternity where there will be no more urges to fall back into sin. It'll just be you and God forever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's so good. And I think, yeah, because I'll, I'll hit on that a little later, too, of, like, um, how important it is to overcome it with the power of Christ because that's the most important thing. Um, so, yeah. So, next, how are addictions overcome? Like, what are the practical steps? Um, so, the first thing I wrote down was medical help and assistance. So, biblical approaches to um, helping addiction do not deny the physical body, right? So, like, it, it's well known that if you are addicted to a drug or even alcohol, you're going to go through withdrawal symptoms. Sometimes it's good to be in like a rehab facility or some sort of like medical place when you're going through withdrawal symptoms because it might be really hard and you're going to need people. Um, You might need therapy. You might need counseling. You might need um, medicine to help the symptoms of withdrawal not be so bad. Um, and so at least the way that I view this, that is totally okay. If you're a Christian and wanting to overcome an addiction for you to seek out therapy, counseling, medical assistance when needed. Um, can't it be like really dangerous too? Like, say you're like super addicted to like a really like, say you're like super addicted to like morphine, like a really yeah. intense drug. You can't just like stop. Like you'll die if you just like yeah. get off. Like, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because your whole body depends on it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, in that way, like, if you don't get medical help, like, literally, like, you'll just... Yeah. Like, right. Which is why it's, like, so important. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's, like, yes, you chose to be addicted to morphine, but if you're also, like, if you want to be set free from it, I believe that, like, taking those steps is is fine. Some people would disagree, but I think that we are physical and spiritual beings, right? We have a spirit and we have a body. And so, and they're connected somehow. And so we have to, we have to help our body and also help 
our spirit at the same time. Um, and there's like lots of cool programs that help people that are addicted to all sorts of things. There's eating disorder facilities, there's rehabs, there's um, even places you can go. Like if you are addicted to pornography, there's like places you can go to get clean from it. Um, so we have so many resources, which is really cool. Um, and then the next thing I wrote down is accountability. Accountability is so important. Um, what is accountability? How would you guys define it? How would you define what it means to be accountable? I think it's having people around you you deeply trust, hmm. um, especially with addiction. I don't think that's something that you should necessarily like, like throw around, like tell it the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely telling like you trusted people first mm-hmm. and just like having them check up on you mm-hmm. every once in a while, um, randomly and like. For me, it was like being blunt. Like yeah. I, I didn't want you to tiptoe around me about it. I wanted you to like walk up to me and be like, "How are you doing?" And mm-hmm. I asked me the hard questions. Yeah, not so, be like, "So, like, how are you?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they yeah. Me, like shaking, be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of hard to find those people who are willing to be loving but also willing to be harsh yeah. at the same time. Yeah, so having accountability is really important. And that accountability can be found within a church. Um, so yeah, we don't we shouldn't do it alone. The Bible actually tells us to confess our sins to one another. James 5:16 says, "Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, knowing that like God who is faithful will forgive you." Um, so like that means confessing your sins, it means saying to someone, "I struggle with this." Um, which is something that I didn't do for a long time. Um, and also finding the right people too, because like, you know, who's in your life, who you can trust, who has a kind heart. You want someone who knows that they too are a sinner. Um, and they won't look at you and say, that's disgusting. You know, like I remember I told someone once who I thought I trusted about my problem with bulimia and they told me, they said, that's disgusting. And it's because I didn't evaluate their spiritual life beforehand before I trusted them enough to say it. And so there is like that, you know, that fear of like wondering what people are going to think of you. But like, look at how someone's walking with the Lord. Do they love Jesus? Do they repent of their own sins? Um, Do you look up to them? Do they, are they in scripture? Is Jesus like have, does Jesus have a hold on their heart? They're probably someone that you can be honest with and pour out your heart to. Um, but why else do you guys think it's so hard to be honest with people about what you're actually struggling with? Someone knows about it. Yeah. Usually with addictions, it's something that you hide and that you just want to use yourself. Yeah. When someone knows about it, that's scary because they know like, oh, well, she's not, she's not answering her phone or he's out doing this somewhere and like, hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, yeah, someone knows. Like, because sometimes it's comforting to know that it's just you're the only one that knows this is going on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But that's where it like thrives, right? Mm -hmm. It just like grows and grows and grows. I think of like mice love darkness and damp things, but as soon as you turn on the light in a room, they just like scatter, right? I had a mouse, yeah, or roaches, like I had a mouse, we had mice in our house for a little while, and I remember there was one in my room one night, oh, I hate thinking about it so much, and then like I would turn on the light, and he would just scamper across the room and go to, who knows where he went, but he went somewhere, and then he would come back, (laughs) but but like that's exactly how sin is, right? It's just like, in the darkness, it's just like growing, and 
like getting worse and blah 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 but then as soon as you turn on the light the light is scary because then you see the mouse and you're like ah! <laughs> <laughs> why are you are you thinking of something Mace? <laughs> uh, you can tell it no it's, story, it's your story my story like, like that time like the one of those friends that, like your oh <laughs> yeah yeah when i cc do you know that story yeah i think everyone knows that story yep 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 that was scary scary night scary night when your brother's friend sleepwalks into your room and grabs your foot (laughs) 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 good times yeah i we like literally haven't seen him since like no, well, he just stopped being friends with Will. <laughs> yeah, but I feel bad for him. Like, I would be mortified if I, like, was in his shoes, so it's okay. <laughs> the best part is that he hid, he hid behind my dresser. Like, what? Did you say you, like, saw his feet? Yes, I saw his feet sticking out behind the dresser. And then <laughs> oh, good times. Um, so, yeah pride shame guilt all those things hold us back fear of being the only one who struggles with it fear of being looked at as disgusting um all those things hold us back from truly walking in the light or just like fear of giving up the addiction that you have because it's comforting it's it feels good to have it to yourself um another way to get rid of addiction is just absolute removal of it right so matthew 5 and um, 5 29 says if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out if your love is it your left hand or your right hand causes you one of the hands if your hand causes you to sin cut it off right so like jesus is very straightforward here and he means it he means it like he doesn't literally mean cut off your hand but he means like whatever's causing you to sin get it out he wants us to be radically fighting the sin in our life whether it's an addiction or whether it's just like a simple sin like you need to get it out of your life cut it off um so i think of like for pornography there's um people that i know that have gotten like flip phones because they their iphone or their android phone causes them to stumble or is an avenue for them to stumble and so they just get rid of it or they give up their computer or they get like um uh things called like covenant eyes which like protect your computer and like let people know um there's so many um ways to like protect your computer like i know when luke and i have kids we're gonna like get a bunch of just like techie stuff that is gonna protect our home computers our devices from um just like the internet because the internet's a scary place um if you're addicted to social media like get rid of it if you're addicted to a relationship that's toxic and causes you to sin and is not god glorifying like get out of it right um if you struggle with alcohol don't go places where alcohol is if you like make bad decisions with certain friends like stop hanging out those friends um god hates sin and like we should too and if you don't hate your sin enough just pray that god would help you hate it more because god wants you to hate your sin so that you love him more so just you just pray and you ask the Lord to change your heart because we are naturally drawn to sin, right? It's like prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Like that song hits so deep because it's so true. We're so prone to wander. If we were given the choice without the power of God, without God working through us, like we would absolutely choose sin every time. Um, so we have to cling to the Lord like he's our only hope because he is like, and he's the one that's going to help us. I, I love that verse that Cece read that no temptation has overcome you. That is not common to man, but God is faithful that in every situation and every temptation, he will provide a way of escape. 
Um, so he's faithful. He doesn't want us to live in sin. He's going to help us along the way. Um, and then, like I said, personal responsibility is essential for overcoming addiction or even just a sin. We have to accept the fact that it's sin, that it's wrong, and then we need to repent. Without repentance, true freedom will never be found. That's not the gospel, right? The gospel is repent of your sin, trust in Jesus, and you will be changed. It's not, oh, just look to Jesus and your life will be great. It's like, no, those who are poor in spirit, who know that they're spiritually inadequate, who know that they're sinners, they're the ones that are going to be saved and be in heaven. Um so yeah, I'm going to keep moving. I have a, a lot here, but we don't have time. Um, so this next section, our last section that I want to go over is encouragement for you guys or anyone that's listening um, who has someone in their life who is addicted to a substance or, or has, is struggling with addiction and how you can handle it as someone who is actually the victim. You're not addicted to something, but the person in your life is. Um, so like as someone who's on the outside, you want to help, right? You want to help them, fix them, change them. Um, but then you have to ask the question of like, what if there is no change? What if like, like maybe it's been years and there's been no, there's been no growth. It still hurts. It's still, it's still painful. Um, when's like, where can you draw the line? When is there a boundary? Um, so those are all really hard questions. Um, especially if someone has been living in addiction for years and it's been the same thing over and over and over again. And like, if this is your story, like I am like, so sorry, like that is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, sin is terrible. It has this ripple effect where it impacts those around us. And that's why it's so devastating. That's why we so desperately need Jesus, right? Because sin not only impacts our little world, like us, it also impacts those who are in our family, those who are our friends, those who are our coworkers, it impacts everything. Um, so how do we help? Um, as people that want addicts to find freedom, um, nothing that you say or do is really going to change them, right? So you can plea, you can, you can beg, you can have tears in your eyes, you can just beg them to choose something other than what they're addicted to, but it's not always going to work, right? Because they have to choose it for themselves. They desperately need the power of God. They need the gospel in their lives. They need a heart transformation. Um, and that's what you have to pray for. So the most powerful thing, it's going to sound cliche, the most powerful thing to do is pray and to tell them the gospel, right? Tell them that there is freedom, there is hope for change, and it's only found in Christ. That is the most important thing that you can do. Um, and then you have to be very gracious with yourself because you can't, you can't change them on your own. That is not in your wheelhouse, right? You, you don't have the power to change someone. Only God can change them. Um, so they can, they can go to a treatment center, they can go to rehab, they can overcome it by their own strength, but unless they have Christ they still are going to have a problem, right? Because our problem is not our, is not like our addiction. If we don't know Jesus, that is the number one problem. So just pray that that person would find Jesus and um, tell them the gospel and be there for them if that's healthy. Because sometimes, like I'm, what I'm going to talk about here is um, sometimes it's not healthy for you to be around them, right? So I have a few friends who, um, they're married now, but her mom um, has a really bad opioid addiction where she will choose the drugs every single time um, and they have told her that they, she is not allowed to see their like her grandkids their kids until she is absolutely clean and they're the most godliest people I know and yet they're drawing this boundary and they're saying no you are not allowed to see these grandkids until you are clean um, so I do think that in, cer in certain situations where the addiction is so bad it's actually a good thing to draw those boundaries that seem harsh but are going to protect you they're going to protect your family and it's going to give that addict a reason to overcome their addiction um, so 
encourage them to get help, encourage them to seek therapy, to go to church, to, um, to help them overcome what they're addicted to. But also just know that depending on your situation, um, it is also important to draw boundaries. And so I encourage you, if you're in a situation like that, you need to bring in your close friends. You need to bring in the people in your church, people that are wiser than you to help you see how you can handle this in a wise situation. Cause there's not like a cookie cutter way of like dealing with somebody who is addicted. Like it's going to be different every time. Um, so yeah, I just, I just want to encourage you guys that if you are in that situation or you ever find yourself in that situation, bring in wise Christians who are going to be able to help you and step alongside of you. So um, boundaries are sometimes hard to draw, right? They don't seem nice. Um, I struggle with boundaries a lot, um, but we know that boundaries are good. Um, so what biblical basis do you guys think um, gives us the freedom and the option to draw boundaries? This is a question I've struggled with a little bit because we're supposed to love everyone and be there for everyone. But like, when is it okay to draw a boundary line? When, like, I think drawing a, like, when drawing a boundary, like helps you keep a commitment to the Lord or like Mm. honor him in some way, then it is correct. Yes. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So, like, when a boundary is, like, keeping you safe from harm. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Yeah, because God would never want you to be in a situation where you are being harmed or treated in a way that is not good, yeah. right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, God doesn't say, um, be everything for everyone. Only he can be everything for everyone. Um so we are absolutely allowed to draw boundaries. That's I'm talking to a girl right now who um, she she needs to draw boundaries with someone in her life who is addicted to something, but she is struggling because it just feels so wrong. It feels not Christ-like, but she wants to. And so it's like one of those things where it's like you can love them and you can forgive them, but you don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to be in their life. You don't have to live under their house. Um, you can remove yourself because sometimes that's the best thing to do for you. Um, which is my last thing is forgiveness. The hardest one of all, especially if you have been impacted by someone who's been addicted for years and years and years, you have struggled and you've been, um, your family has been impacted. You've been impacted. You've been hurt. Um, but Christ tells us that we are called to forgive no matter what the sin is. There is no sin that is so great that we shouldn't forgive, but that doesn't mean that we become best friends with them, right? Um, So it's saying, I'm choosing not to hate you for this anymore. I'm choosing not to hold this against you anymore. I'm choosing not to um, just like think about this and be bitter about this for the rest of my life. I'm choosing to show you the grace that Jesus Christ has shown me and I'm gonna choose to give it to you. Um, But again, that doesn't mean total reconciliation. Sometimes that means that like, sure, things go back to the way that they were. Maybe Christ does a wonderful work in your life that can absolutely happen and that relationship is restored. But sometimes if that person especially is choosing that addiction over and over and over again, a boundary is good and you step back and you pray for them from afar and maybe you tell that you talk to them every once in a while or you go over every once in a while. Um, But again, every situation is different. So use wisdom, pray, seek wise counsel. Um, And yeah, and again, like that is just like the iceberg of addiction and how to deal with addiction and how to be someone who's being impacted by an addiction. That is just the iceberg. So I know that there's like a thousand more things we could talk about it. And if like you guys want to talk about it more, I'd be so happy to um, meet up and like hear your story or talk about it more. Um, 
but yeah, there is hope with Christ. There's so much hope with Christ. Um, and even, even if like you get free from a sin and then you struggle every single day with that temptation, that thorn in the side, one day we'll be in heaven and there will be no more temptation to sin. And I'm just like, that's going to be amazing. Like, like there's so much more than just this world, right? This is just such a temporary place. We're in a temporary house. Um, we're in a body that wants to sin, but one day we'll be with Jesus and we won't even want to sin anymore. We'll be in his presence. We'll see him as he truly is. And it's going to be amazing. Um, and we're not slaves to sin anymore. When we know Jesus, we are free. Um, do you guys have any questions or comments or concerns of heresy? It's like my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'll pray for us, and then I have to skirt. Um, (laughs) uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for freedom. Thank you that um, whether we have an addiction or a sin struggle or just the fact that we're sinners, Lord, that you have set us free from the bondage of of sin and slavery to sin, Um, and you have set us free and that you've made us um, your children, you've made us redeemed, you've cleansed, you've cleansed us, you have washed us with your blood, that there's no more stains of sin left on us, but you see us as you see Jesus. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for who you are. Um, thank you for your mercy and your kindness towards us. And Lord, we just pray for anyone, um, in this room and beyond that it has an addiction. Lord, I know everyone here raised their hands, and so they're all being impacted differently by different, things they all they all know people or they struggle themselves lord we just pray for them that they would have strength that you would come into their life that you would open their eyes to the truth of the gospel and that the gospel would be the one that helps them overcome their addiction and helps them find you lord and we just look forward to the day that we're with you forever and ever in heaven um what a great day that will be and until then lord help us choose you help us fight sin radically and get it out of our lives and encourage others to get it out of their lives and help us just maintain that um just the meekness and the compassion in order to love those in our life well um, no matter who they are no matter what they're struggling with lord and yeah we love you lord and we trust you um would you help us love you more and i'm gonna pray amen